You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me in your Bibles. The title of my message tonight is Alliance Awakening. Alliance Awakening. I, I wanted to get the word awaken in there some, somehow tonight, Peter, so that's why it's Alliance Awakening. Um, The Bible, the Bible teaches a lot about alliance, and so I'm going to be going a little bit quicker. I'm going to be moving a little bit quicker tonight in the teaching so that we can get to the prayer, the power, and the delivering. But uh, So lean in, listen hard, listen fast. If, you, if you're going to take notes, do your best, but, but we will podcast it, and we'll be on there. And so sometimes you can be writing one thing down and miss the next thing. So uh, so couple of quick scriptures, and for the sake of time, I will quote along. They'll be on the screen behind me. I'll do my best to try and be as accurate as I can. But Genesis 3 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field that the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, Has God really said you can't eat off all the trees? And the woman responded, replied, and said, Well, God did say we can eat off all the trees except that one. We can't eat off that one. Uh, we can't even touch it. The day that we eat of it, we will surely die. And then he responds very sarcastically, you will not surely die. God knows the day you eat from that tree, oh, you'll be just like him, but pff, he's holding out on you. God knows the day you eat from that tree, pff, girlfriend, you'll be just like God. But he don't want you. He wants to keep this. He wants to keep you down. Now, you need to understand this, this is an unfounded accusation. Uh, it's worse than the Russia collusion. <laughs> it's worse than the quid pro quo with you. I mean, this is, if you read your Bible, which I encourage, if you read Genesis 1, and God said, let there be, and there was, and God saw that it was good, evening and morning, first day. And God said, let there be, and God said, let dry ground, and God said, let there be, and God said, let the oceans, and God said, let the sky be filled with birds and all kinds of creatures, and God looked, and behold, it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our, and he made man in his image and in our likeness. And then God looked and said, behold, it is very good. God so far has a reputation of making everything. Everything that he made is beautiful and good. And everything he said has come to pass. He has a magnificent track record. He makes Adam and then he says, puts Adam into a sleep. He said, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to make you a helper. Adam falls asleep. Then God taps him. Son, wake up. Happy birthday to... And the woman that he made was buck naked. How the heck? That's why Adam's quiet. He's like, oh, everything I know about God is good. <laughs> Real good. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there because a lot of people think that God is quite prudish. The devil's a thief. He steals everything that God made and then perverts it, defiles it, contaminates it. God is good. You can trust God with your life. You can trust God with your sex life. The dumbest thing that Christians do is they, they go to the world for their sex life because they think that God, and they come into 
to marriage with all kinds of hang-ups and all kinds of issues. Well, how do I know that she's going to, you know, how do I know she's going to meet her on my needs like unless I have experience? It's probably the dumbest thing that I hear on a continual basis. If you have nobody to compare her to, wow, that was awesome. You'll be satisfied for the rest of your life. Don't let the world... Anyway, I digress. So somehow Eve, somehow Eve, after listening to the devil, and this is what I want you to watch, after listening to the devil, looks again. Before when she looked at it, she said it's forbidden. It's, there's death in that tree. But now she looks at the same tree, the same fruit. And the Bible says when she looked at the tree and saw that the fruit was pleasant to the eyes, uh, good for food and able to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate of it and gave to her husband with her. Now the eyes of both of them were open. They saw that they were naked and they were ashamed and they sewed fig leaves together and then everything went downhill from there. Everything went downhill from there. There, there, was, there was a voice that was speaking other than the voice of God. When she listened to the voice of God, this thing was harmful. When she listened to this other voice, all of a sudden it became very appealing. Second scripture I wanted to, to share with you is 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19 obviously follows 18. 1 Kings 18, Elijah takes on 450 prophets of Baal. There's one Elijah and there's 450 prophets of Baal. If you were going through cable TV, there were 450 channels preaching Baal, preaching Asher, preaching garbage. And only one station that was proclaiming the Lord is good, the Lord is God, preaching 450 to 1. And Elijah takes on the prophets of Baal and in a competition and on top of a mountain, the God that answers by fire. And Elijah's God is the only God that answers by fire. He answers by fire and licks up the bull, the water, the rocks, the stones, the altar, everything. And an entire nation falls down and begins to worship God. They were living under a drought. The reason they were living under a drought is because there was 450 prophets of Baal causing the people to turn away from the Lord into idolatry. There was a famine in the land. There was a drought over the land. Elijah said, the reason the drought is, is because you've forsaken the God of the land. You've forsaken the Lord who gave you this land. You've turned your back on him and you've begun to worship the Baals and you've begun to worship the Asherahs and therefore the Lord has withheld the rain. Some people may call it climate change. And it's interesting because... The government there was saying, hey, give us more power and we'll... But they couldn't fix Jack. Because they were the ones exacerbating the situation. So I want to teach you something. For Elijah to shift the drought, for Elijah to break the drought and bring rain into the land, he had to deal with the prince of the power of the air. Elijah executed the 450 false prophets... Elijah took out the 450 false prophets, prophets of Baal. And then the Bible says he goes up onto Mount Carmel and begins to pray. And he sends the servant and the servant comes back, not yet. 
prays again, sends a servant, not yet, prays again. On the sixth time, the servant kind of says, ah, you, I, I think you may have missed it. And, but Elijah can feel in his spirit. He heard already. As soon as he executed the last prophet of Baal, he heard prophetically the sound of an abundance of rain. So he sends the servant away a seventh time. This time the servant goes out and we stood there at Mount Carmel where you look out and you can see the sea. There's only one section where you can see. This is probably where the servant was standing. It's, it's a freaky thing to be standing at that place where the servant was looking out towards the sea and he, and he comes running back. He says, this time, this time I saw a cloud rising out of the sea the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says to him, run, run, because before you'll make it to the palace, the clouds are going to fill the sky and a rain, a torrential rain is going to soak the land because we dealt with the prince of the power of the air. We dealt with the princes. May I say this to you that, that over over every land, over every region, over te- every territory, there are words. There is a word. Uh, not only that, but over families, there is a word. Over you, there is a word. Which word you live under determines the fruitfulness or the barrenness of your life. The word that you live under determines whether your life is living in a drought or whether your life is living in breakthrough and plenty. It's the word that you live under. It's the word that you live under. It's the word that you live under. So now going to chapter 19. Chapter 19, a message comes to Elijah from Jezebel. She's the queen. And he's thinking maybe she's going to be repentant. But when he opens the, the message, it says this, the gods do so to me and more also. If by this time tomorrow, you are not as dead as one of my prophets that you just murdered. And the Bible says Elijah, he had nothing left in the tank that he just tucktailed and ran. And he runs out into the desert and he becomes depressed. He becomes suicidal and he begins to cry out to God saying, God, it is enough now. It is enough. I'm no better than my father's. End my life. Take my life. It is enough now. An angel finds him sitting under a broom tree and he puts him into a sleep and bakes a cake on some coals and then wakes him and says, eat the cake for the journey's too great for you. And there's water and cake. And then he falls asleep again. And he wakes him again after he bakes another cake and, and rise, Elijah, eat and drink. The journey's too great. Finally, Elijah comes out to Horeb where Moses met with God. And he goes into a cave and the word of the Lord comes to Elijah in his cave, in his depression, in his suicidal thoughts. And the word of the Lord comes to him and says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, well, Lord, I alone am left of the prophets of the Lord. Baal's prophets were 450 to one and and the whole nations turn their back on you. And I'm the only one doing this. And God said, Elijah, seriously, you really think I'm going to let, let you do all the heavy lifting? There are 7,000 that I've reserved for myself that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. And Elijah, even though you brought the nation into revival yesterday, your greatest days aren't behind you. Your greatest days are in front of you. I want you to go and fill your horn with oil because we're about to shift things in Syria. You just shifted things in Israel. Go and anoint Hazael, king of Syria. And then I want you to go and anoint, I want you to anoint Jehu, king over Israel, because he's about to carry on your revival. Oh, you brought the nation in. You turned the hearts of the people. He's about to devour and destroy every idol. He will tear down every image of Baal, every image of Asherah, and he'll actually take take Jezebel completely. He will dethrone Jezebel under his leadership. Jezebel is going to be thrown out of a window by the eunuchs that she imagined 
emasculated, manipulated and controlled, they're going to throw her down. Her blood will run in the streets and the nation will go into freedom. And then I want you to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, as prophet in your place. And he will do double the miracles because he'll have double the anointing on your life. Your greatest days are in front of you, not behind you. It was one word from Jezebel that put him in a tailspin, that put him into depression, that put him into a suicidal tendency. But it was a word from God that got him out of there. It was a word from God that got him out of there. Jesus, when he taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6, says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done in heaven it's not always done on earth. In fact, quite often it's resisted here in earth. And the way that God's will is done on the earth as it is in heaven is when we come into alignment. It's when we come into an alliance with the Word of God. So let me give you three thoughts and then we're going to pray. Number one, you cannot be delivered. You cannot be delivered from something you're in agreement with. You cannot be set free. You cannot be delivered from something that you are in agreement with. When you sign for a car, when you purchase a car and you sign for a car, you are now responsible for that car. When you put your sign, you put your sign nature, your signature, your sign nature. When you sign that, you are now responsible for the monthly payment. You may say, well, you know, I'm... I'm I just sign it, but I don't really mean it. Well, when the repo, repo guy comes around, you'll realize that you can't be delivered from something that you're in agreement with. Once you enter into an agreement, you are now bound by that agreement. It is so important to, for you to know this because many Christians want this, but they don't realize they're in agreement to that. The, 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 the assignment of Awakened Church, the, the, the assignment over the city for us is to speak a different word over San Diego. When, when you come to this house, we will speak a different word to what you hear. You, you won't hear this word on the, the television. You won't hear this word in culture. You won't hear this word in the universities and the colleges. Uh, we don't have time here. We have no interest in preaching Reader's Digest. We have no time or interest in, in preaching Time Magazine, but we do preach the Word of God because I want to get the Word of God to you. John the Baptist is about to be beheaded, and he sends two of his disciples. He, he He's on death row. He knows, he knows his, his departure is imminent. He wants to know, did I fulfill the assignment? Did I fulfill the mission that God, my, my job was to point out the Messiah. Is this the one or do we look for another? You've got, you got to tell me, you've got to tell me. I don't want to meet God having missed it. You've got to tell me. And so he sends two of his disciples and they come to Jesus while Jesus is, is in, in a miracle crusade. And Jesus kind of lets them spectate. And then he says, now go back to John and tell John the things that you hear and the things that you see see. The blind receive their sight. The deaf hear. The lepers are cleansed. The the lame are made whole. The cripples are walking. The dead are raised back to life. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Now, hang on a sec. Whoa, 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 whoa. Does that mean that Jesus doesn't really care for poor people? Because to the blind, he gave them what they were missing, sight. To the deaf, he gave them what they were missing, hearing. To the lepers, he gave them what they were missing, cleansing. To to the cripples, he gave them what they were missing, he made them whole. To the dead, he gave them what they were missing, life. To the poor, he gave the gospel. 
Hang on, Jesus. I thought Jesus cared for people. How come he didn't give them like a welfare check? How come he didn't give them bags of money? Why didn't he give them a bar of gold? If you've been educated by the world, you'll know because right now you'll be thinking, wow, yeah, Jesus really ripped the poor off. But when you realize that poverty is not actually a state of what isn't in your hand, it's actually a state of what's... Watch this. The gospel is preached to the poor because before their circumstances change, their mindset must. Before anything changes outside of their world, something has to change in here. When you were born, you came out head first. Whenever you go from a confined place to a more open space, you always come out head first. If nothing changes here, nothing will change here. You cannot be delivered from something you are in agreement with. If you are in agreement that life is cruel, that life is, if you come, are in agreement, you may be asking God for a house in San Diego, but if you have bought into the culture that will try and tell you, oh, houses are expensive in San Diego, it's really difficult to get a house. It's really difficult for young people to get a home. It, 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 you may be asking for this, but Jesus doesn't give you just what you ask for. Jesus is whatsoever things you ask for, believing you shall receive. Whatsoever, the, the, the battle is not the asking, the battle is the believing. The, until your believing shifts, your life doesn't shift. Let me just dig a little bit deeper. You can't be delivered from something you consider to be normal. The, the devil is so crafty that he will, he will, he, he has told a generation, he has brainwashed a generation that this is normal, this is normal, this is normal, that addiction is normal, depression is normal, anxiety is normal, you know, confusion is normal, this is, this is all, he, because he knows that you can't be delivered from something that you consider to be normal. So that's why, that, that, that's, that's why the reading of the Word of God, when I read the Word of God, what I thought was normal, I realize ain't normal at all, I realize, my God, I am the one that is jacked up, because what, what I thought was normal is not normal at all. Now, I, I, love, I love the, the uh, Latino culture. I love, I love the, the, the Spanish language because in Spain, or in Spanish, excuse me, that they, they, the word is familia. And we understand familia as family. But, but in the English, familia also means that you are, you are familiar with it. That this is, yeah, that's familiar. Yeah, I know what that is. That's but it's familiar. The reason that this is powerful, the Bible calls it familiar spirits, is because these spirits have been with you because they're generational. You, you will find the same heart disease, you will find the, the same apparent genetic disorders seem to follow down, and we say, well, you know, it's a genetic thing, even though they can't actually find the gene, but they say, well, it must be genetic because it runs in the family. It's actually a familiar spirit. It's a familiar spirit. 
And because it's familiar, it runs through the family, you grew up with it, and so you consider it to be normal. You consider it to be normal to have welfare. You consider it to be normal to survive. You consider there to be chaos in the home. You consider it normal for husband and wife to be fighting because that's what was modeled when you grew up, and so that was your normal. It was normal for alcohol. It was normal for violence. It was normal for abuse. It was familiar to you, and because it's familiar to you, it lives with you until you read this. Can I just tell you this year, God wants to bring you into a brand new normal. God wants to bring you, He wants to bring you out from what you have considered your familiar and your normal, and He wants to bring you into a greater normal. To do that, you've got to break the agreement. You've got to, you've got to cut, you've just got to make the decision that I sever this alliance with that thought. I, I, knew, I knew a young man who was trying to get free from drugs. You, you'll find that the faith-based rehabs have like 10 times is almost an understatement. But conservatively, 10 times the success rate of, of the non-faith-based. The non-faith-based only will deal with the, with the physical component. That, that will say that you know, when a person takes you know, uh, narcotics and amphetamines and cocaine and opioids or whatever, that the, the dopamine levels shut down, the factory stops producing because it's getting such a rush here, getting such a hit here, it doesn't. So then when they try to come off, they're depressed. And so, we've got to, so, we, you know, so they put them on this and they put them on that. But, but can I just tell you that, that you are much more complex than just being a physical creature that there's a spiritual component. Now, I know of a young man who, who uh, was, was going through withdrawals, heavy withdrawals, and so he wrote a letter to the devil. And he said to the devil, if you, if you will get me drugs while I'm locked away in this thing, then I will serve you for the rest of my life. And he signed it in his blood. He had no idea years later why he kept struggling, why he kept relapsing, why he kept... I mean, he tried to move geographically. He moved to a completely different zip code. But man... The, the drug dealers found him there. So then he moved way up north and thought, oh, they'll never find me. And they found him there. And then he moved and they found him there. It was like no matter where he went, they found him. Because it wasn't about geography and it wasn't about zip codes. It was about an agreement and an alignment he, that he got himself into giving these demonic spirits permission to keep. It wasn't until he got prayer and broke that alliance that freedom began to flow. What things have you come into alignment, into agreement with? We, we had a, a gentleman in our, our church in New Zealand that had come to Christ. But before he came to Christ, him and his girlfriend were one of those big carnivals, one of those big fairs. And at the fair, they had a little booth where there was a, a lady who was reading palms. And they thought, ah, oh, you know, I don't even know if I believe it, but come on, let's, let's just, you know, pay the few dollars and we'll go and get our palms read. And, and so she read the palm and she, she began to just tell him things that were pretty accurate about his life. And then she said this to him. She says, oh, and the woman that you're with, you'll never have ch children with her. I thought, oh, wow, because she's already got a kid from another relationship. And he thought, oh, well, you know. And then seven years later, he's in my church and no babies, no kids. And so one day we're just saying, oh, you, oh yeah, you know, we really wanted kids. But, you know, we went to this palm reader. And the palm reader told us this. I said, oh, the palm reader told you that. When you came into alignment and when you came into agreement... With the palm reader, that was the word that you came under. So we broke the power of that word. We got him to renounce receiving that word. Three demons came out. 
Six weeks later, she was pregnant. <laughs> Nothing shifted here until something shifted. You cannot be delivered. You cannot be delivered from something you're in agreement with. I had to get delivered from a, a, a spirit of rejection. I had to get delivered from a poverty mentality. I had to get delivered from an inability to trust God in certain areas because in my heart, I was told that, that I was no good. I was, I was rejected. I was told that I couldn't trust God, a God that I couldn't see. I was told. And so I, 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 I was wanting to go for God, but I had this, and it wasn't until I broke those alignments, until I broke those alliances, that things began to shift. Nothing changed on the outside till something changed on the inside. So number one, you gotta, you gotta, Break the power of those alliances. Number two, what you bow to has authority over you. What you bow down to has authority over you. I knew a, a pastor who was in uh, third world nations ministering powerfully and mightily in third world nations, seeing the most extraordinary miracles, the blind receiving their sight, deaf hearing, uh, incredible miracles, deliverances. That same pastor then moved from there to Australia from the third world to Australia, and his church rapidly grew because people are actually hungry for an encounter with God. They're hungry for the power of God. What he didn't expect that he never experienced in the third world nations was he didn't expect a vitriolic antichrist media that wrote a, a, a hit piece against him. And he was so rocked by that that he bowed his knee, vowing that he, he, he never wanted to, to have anything negative written about him again. So, so he, he drove a secondhand Camry and took a salary that is probably less than we would pay uh, a, a janitor in our church. But he, he would rationalize that, well, this way the media will never get me. This way the media will never get me. Well, he was thinking that, you know, it's all right. As long as we've got enough to kind of just pay the bills and just live, the media will never get me and Jesus is coming back anyway. But then when 1970 came and went and Jesus never came back, we thought maybe 1980 came and went, Jesus didn't come back. Got to be 1990. And then when Y2K for sure is going to be, and Y2K came and went, 210, 210, he retired in his 70s. His wife was so ill. She had medical bills and they were literally on the poverty line, couldn't live, couldn't, had served Jesus his whole life. But because he bowed his knee to the spirit, it ruled over him and robbed him of everything. you got to stand. Jesus says to the devil, third temptation. He says, the devil said to him, if you bow down to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. He's like, uh-uh, I ain't bowing to you. It is written, worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. If you read the book of Re Revelation, it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. And he, he, didn't have to he didn't have to bow to the devil. He knew if I bow to the most high God, if I bow to God in God's timing, in God's timing, I don't have to compromise. What areas are you, comp do you, you know how many girls compromise? Well, look, I know he's not a Christian. Well, you know, we moved in together. Well, I know. No, 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 no. You don't need to. Whatever you bow down to rules over you. You're worth more than that. God's got a bigger plan. God's got a greater plan for your life. Step out of that. Refuse to bow only to God. The Apostle Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knee only to Jesus Christ. Make a decision. Now, Jezebel said, by this time tomorrow, 
you'll be like one of my dead prophets. You know how good God is? By that time the next day, Elijah was still, he was still alive. In fact, one year later on that anniversary, he was still alive. Two years later on that anniversary, 10 years later. In fact, Elijah never died. God heard the curse of the devil through Jezebel and says, oh, really? Really? You know what? Send chariots to pick him up. Him and Enoch, the only two human beings that can make it into heaven without having to die. He sends chariots down just to stick it to the devil, just to show you and I, it doesn't matter what the devil's saying. It doesn't matter what Jezebel's saying. It doesn't matter what the queen over the land is saying. You don't have to come into alignment. You don't have to come into agreement. But you don't understand, Pastor. She commands all the armies. She's in control of all the armies. The entire resources of Israel are at her disposal. You have no idea who your God is. Your God is bigger. Your God is greater. Don't come into an alignment with the lies of the devil. Live for God. Elijah is in heaven. He still has. He has never experienced death. But Jezebel, she died. But Elijah is still living. Somebody say amen. What you bow to, the last one, number three, and then we're going to pray. Number three is your amen is the gateway. Your amen is the gateway. Where, where, where do you put your amen? Where, where, where do you put your amen? What, what do you put your amen to? You're always going to hear words. There's words over college, there's words over your life, there's words from parents, words from teachers. You're never going to amount to anything, you're never going to. And sometimes those words have power. Jesus said this, he says, my words are spirit and they are life. My words are spirit and they are life. May I put to you that all words are spirit, but not all words are life. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. God gave you an incredible power. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want God's will done in your life on earth as it is in heaven, you have the power. You, your mouth is the gateway. Your amen is the gateway. When we came to San Diego, they said, listen, you, you're going to a preacher. You know you're going to a preacher's graveyard, right? <laughs> you know there's no zoning in San Diego for churches. You know how expensive. You know the city is not giving up warehouses. You know the city's not giving up buildings because they lose tax revenue. <laughs> and so I just decided. You know what? Uh, I didn't kind of leave behind a, a sick mama and leave everything else just to put my amen with you. Look. Putting my aim in there, you know, it, it gives me uh, an excuse. How's your church here? Oh, you know, did you know about San Diego? Yeah, when we got here, they told us it was really hard. It's a preacher's graveyard. Did, did you know San Diego's got no zoning for church? Yeah, the city doesn't give up buildings because they lose tax revenue. We're struggling. Did you see where I, I put my I put my amen over here with what the city told me? I put my, my amen over here with what they told me. And you know what I got for my amen in exchange for my amen? Excuses. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. I looked up in the, in the Oxford Dictionary. In the... 
I looked up in the Oxford Dictionary before I knocked over a speaker. The light was in my eyes and I didn't see the... How cool is Samuel? Come on, give Samuel a hand. What a good guy. The speaker knocks over a speaker. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word excuse the following an invalid reason for a neglect of duty. An invalid is where we get the word invalid. Excuse, an invalid reason for a neglect of duty. So I could have, I could have easily put my amen. I gotta tell you one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when I talk to pastors and they've parked their amen. Well, you know, it's not a, our city's really hard. We're a really tough city. Where do you put your amen? Well, you know, one of our university professors said that, you know, the doctors have said that. The power of your amen. I, I, I've, I've made a decision. Nobody deserves my amen more than him. God sent his word. God sent his word into the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God sent His Word into the world. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was crucified and hung on a cross. The Word looked like it died. It looked like, oh gosh, the Word failed. But the Word of God never fails. They put the Word of God in the ground, but three days later it come up out of the ground, having conquered death, having conquered hell, having the keys of death, having the keys of hell tearing a hole through death and now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession. I've decided nobody else is getting my amen. I'm going to put my amen over here with what Jesus has says, what God's Word says. If you want to unlock, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just move your amen to what God says. When God says that you are blessed, say amen, I am. When God says that, that Jesus became a curse to redeem those from under the curse, say amen. That the blessing of Abraham might come, amen. That you are blessed in the city, blessed in the country, amen. Blessed going in, blessed going out, amen. That by His stripes you were healed. Amen. That if God be for you, who or what can be against you? Amen. That, that God will open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing there's not room enough to receive it. Amen. Right there. I'm going to take an amen. That, that, that my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory. That's another amen. You have the power to put your amen. You have the power of amen. Can I encourage you? Break the alliance. Break the agreement. Whatever agreement, whatever align, uh, alignments you have made with words that do not line up with the Word of God, sever them tonight. You can be delivered tonight. You can break the spirit of poverty, break the spirit of lack. Some people, even they self-sabotage relationships because they've believed a lie about themselves that you'll, ne oh, you'll never attract. You'll never attract. The world that we live in, there are so few good. And, and they've received that word. And then their life literally becomes a prophetic living out 
of a word that was spoken, if the word didn't come from God, if the word didn't come from a prophet or a prophetess from God with proven fruit, reject it, break the alignment with it, break the, break the assignment with it, break it tonight, sever the connection. But I thought this is normal. You cannot be delivered from, let the Bible show you normal. Let the Bible redefine your normal. It's not normal to continually be in, in lack, to continually be struggling, to continually be oppressed, to continually be beat down, to continually be losing your job, to continually be, be, be struggling with your self-image and self That's not normal. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. If God be for you, who or what can be against you? But when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God has already lifted up a standard against him. Even Satan, when he comes to, to, to God, and God says, where have you come from? Because I made Lucifer. Who are you? I made light bearer your accuser. He says, I've come from the earth, walking back and forth, to and fro. He says, earth. Have you considered my servant Job? Nobody like him. Fears God, shuns evil. Watch what the devil says. Haven't you put a hedge of protection around him? You scallywag. You've already tried to to hurt him and take him down. How did the devil know that there was a hedge of protection around about him? He was trying to break and enter. He was trying to steal, kill and destroy. He was trying to devour, but there was a hedge. I keep missing the... (laughs) That's why you shouldn't drink tequila before you get up and preach. (laughs) Oh, dear Jesus. And I just leave it there. It's all right. I won't miss it again. I'd love to tell you I'm doing it all for effect. But I'm, I've never fallen off the stage once, let alone twice. The worst thing is I haven't even drank any tequila. I'm on a freaking fast. Come on, we're, we're out of time. I want you to lift your right hand. Lift your right hand. Lift your right hand. Say these words. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, tonight I break every agreement with a demon in Jesus' name. I break every alliance with poverty, with lack, with fear, with addiction. I declare tonight, I put my amen beside your word. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I declare tonight, I renounce every unclean thing. I renounce fear. I renounce poverty. I renounce a poverty mindset. I renounce normalizing sin. I renounce accepting sickness and disease and struggle. I reject it from my life. I renounce lack. I declare tonight, I am blessed. I am highly favored. I declare tonight, I am a victor through Jesus Christ. I declare tonight that in Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. I declare tonight that I am victorious in Jesus Christ, that my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I declare my God goes before me. He's behind me. He surrounds me. He hedges me in. He's a great warrior. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. I declare tonight 
Freedom is my portion. I declare tonight the Holy Ghost is my helper. I declare tonight all guilt, all shame, all condemnation broken of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a praise. Give Him a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.